so last week I was out picking up some takeout and sure enough, I go to uh, start my car and the battery's dead. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this happens of course to everyone uh, all the time. Now, fortunately I had a jump box, so I was ready to go grab the jump box and jump started the car, got it home, took the car in, right. And uh, needed a new battery, you know, something that happens to every one of us all the time. So it's got me thinking too about single point of failures, right? <laughs> now, the thing about it is we all design software. We live in the real world that there are almost surely times that some type of outage is going to happen. Like you just, it just happens, right? Like Facebook this week, whatever. It's just inevitable, complicated world. It's going to happen. But cars, automobiles, I believe have been around, I don't know, like on the order of a hundred years. And it got me thinking to this about just like this, it's like, it's interesting that still today, if you buy a new car and you drive it off a lot, that you know in anywhere a battery will probably last for between two and five years, that at some point this battery is just going to stop working at some mm-hmm. arbitrary point and you will be stuck somewhere with no immediate way. The car will not provide a way for you to, uh, to fix this problem, of course. So you're yeah. left with many many third party solutions right jumper <laughs> cables a jump yep. box triple wait, 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 a. okay 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 so um, what, what's the jump box versus jumper cables is it just like a battery a battery yeah it's just a battery oh that's gosh. like it's like a small car battery right that is that that has jumper cables on it so that way you don't need another car it's just you know right. you can just grab it out of your trunk and there are many kinds there's like oh i did not an, know this yeah there's like an industrial strength one which is literally like as heavy as a regular car battery that will last for a long time. And now there's these new ones that are built on kind of like lithium um, batteries, right? They're much smaller, right? And they're kind of like, you can use it. So, so if you're like, so the reason I have this, this is yet another story is that (laughs) if you um, get in a place where it's not easy to get a jump start, you'd need a jump box. So here's, here's a good example that is, that I lived through many years ago as I lived in an apartment, my car wouldn't start. I was at home. So you're thinking, perfect right it's like uh, of course i'll just get something to jump it but my car's parked like in the nice apartment par- in the no yeah. actually in the apartment parking lot and it's there's there's basically all the spaces are taken so i look around and i have no idea whose cars are next uh, to me gotcha. right so literally i'm just sitting there there's no way for me to jump the car <sighs> there's no way for me to get i don't know who my neighbors are at least i don't know what the cars match so i literally had to wait for like forever so finally someone moved and got it out. So anyway, that got me back to like, well, if this ever happens again, I want to have the jump box because at least if I can get to that, right, I can right. walk over and do that. You convinced right? me. I need to go buy a jump box. How much are Right. They? I think where it's I very one? convenient to have. Like I do. <laughs> uh, but this is where I'm getting to. It's like, I, I, and, I and I just wanted your, your take on it. It's like today, right? Like is why? Why is it today that like the car doesn't come with like anticipate this, like all the features of a car that you can buy today, there are millions of them. Like, why would the car not just ship with like a secondary battery, uh, you know, some way, like a spare, like, for example, or, like it, it gives you a spare tire. Most car cars will give you, go ahead. The car keeps track of the battery levels and warns you when it's starting to get low. Right. So I've now, like, I've dived into this a little bit more, right? So when you take your car in to, like, usually, like, get the oil change, like, they will come back and often, like, do a quick evaluation, yeah, like, yeah, back, yeah. you know, tires and stuff. And so what they do, from what I can tell on the batteries, they just put, like, a multimeter on it, and they just yep. see if it's within the right voltage. That takes, you know, 20 seconds. And, of course, because you're driving the car there, 99% of the time, it's going to be fine. So yeah, I yeah. talked to the, when I, now, when you go replace a battery, because this last one, I actually took some time to ask the, 
the technician, like, what do you do? And he said, okay. He said, they do a load test on their battery. So they have this very expensive machine, right? Yeah, that yeah. essentially like tries to see, you know, puts a bunch of load on the battery and see if it will hold it, right? But that's, I guess, at least where I'm going, I'm not saying the places I go are good, that they don't do that as a standard thing. That's like an X, you know what I mean? That's like an extra diagnostic you only do if there's a problem, right? So, yeah. so like when you leave, you get your oil changed, maybe you rotate your tires, whatever, like the battery is going to usually be fine. So, so my, so this is my first question. Like, is there a reason that have you, are there, is there, and maybe not somewhere in Australia, they fix this. Like why, like why would the car, just like it comes with a spare tire, why not come with like some secondary device that's just built in that like, Oh, I, uh, the battery went dead. I'll just use the thing, the backup battery or whatever to j- jumpstart the car. Like, why is it still like this today? Do you have any idea? No, I mean, <laughs> I didn't even know they had jump boxes, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm the I'm the guy who like every time I have a dead battery, I whip out my phone and I Google how to jumpstart a car. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I can't even remember like do I do the negative first, the positive first, you know? And sparks are flying and I'm electrocuting people, but um, I don't know why they don't do that. It's probably I mean, how much is a jump box? Fifty bucks? A hundred bucks? Uh, that's basically a hundred. I mean, you can get a good one for a hundred bucks. I mean, that's uh, it's probably get a cheap one for less. <laughs> okay, well, no, this is the other thing I wanted. I want to know. Maybe maybe some of the listeners will tell us. Whoa, like, whoa, whoa, okay. whoa! One of the listeners said car, some cars don't even come with spare tires anymore. I know. Listen, we're going to get to that in a minute. Wow. Oh, in, a, wow. in a moment, we'll get to that. But so the other question I have then is like, okay, well, maybe I'm just doing it wrong, right? Okay, so preventative maintenance. Like you could say, like the answer to this could be, I should preemptively just change the battery at some known interval, right? It's like, you know, like air filters or something has like, you just know that like every 90 days you go change it, right? Or something, something along those lines. But I have actually never done this. I've never prevented, like actually said like, oh, and, and when I thought about it, it makes total sense. It's not like I'm even mad at the, the car. I'm like, oh, I've had this battery for five, four or five years. It was well within the range of acceptable use, right? And if someone had pointed it out to me, said, hey, you know, this battery is coming up. Like I probably would have done it. They've if been sending just, you all those emails about your home loan, your home warranty. Right. No, but and <laughs> all the stuff, I mean, all the reminders I get, you know, all the things that people want to sell me. But like if someone had sent me, I, I had just never dawned on me. I never thought about it until, of course, I just never thought about it until it actually went out. So, so I was wondering, it's like, do you do this? Do you, do you just wait till your battery ah. dies or do you like, oh, do you yeah. actually like, oh, it's getting close. I'm going to like replace the battery. Like I, I, so I, I have a, uh, the the shop I take my car to is literally like two blocks from my house, and they they know me by name at this point because um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving a fourteen year old Volvo, um, uh-huh. and you know, and I'm I'm, I'm paying the rent, and uh, so you know they 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 kind of like throw in little checkups every time I get something worked on, you know, right? So they're like, you know, I, I had like uh, some electrical stuff was you know flaking out, and they're like, oh, you know, your tires need rotating or. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I, I like to think that they're looking out for me. Um, but yeah, I don't really, I mean, how smart I, okay, I do just, cars just, need to get, right? What are you going to do? Because my Volvo is pretty dumb, I guess. Survey sample size of one. Have they ever told you, Matt, your battery looks like it's getting kind of old. Yes. You should just replace it now. They did it. Oh, they yeah, actually, yeah. No, 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 okay. no. Like, like they're, they're doing a lot of preventative maintenance because like, I don't have, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't have a lot of, Folks, I can be like, hey, can you give me a jump? You know, my car's stuck in my garage and I can't get it out, right? It's, 
Uh, I need to flag down cars as they drive by or something. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, and you know, we go, we, we go to remote areas, you know, we're like, Hey, let's go for a weekend drive you know, to the Outback or something. And so like, I'm, I'm a little paranoid on that. I, I, mm-hmm. I you know, when they're See, like, you need a jump hey. box then you can't be on the Outback without a jump box. <laughs> You'd be like, like, how are we going to get home? Well, yeah. well, the good thing about, about COVID is I can't go anywhere. So it's true. It's um, true. yeah, I got that going for me, but, uh, next month. Uh, they're opening the international borders finally. Yes. So uh, Congratulations I'll, I'll get a jump box and, and go uh, hop on a plane. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I don't know if it's, if it's good or bad, but I'm the person when they're like, do you want us to do some preventative maintenance? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Right. <laughs> I think I'm generally that person, but I guess in this case, uh, and someone is asking, in the chat here, they say, well, you know, the jump box is not a perfect solution too, because you have to charge the jump box. You have to make sure it's actually, you know, it's like, it's like disaster recovery. You have to be ready to fail over. So, yeah, you, so you've my got solution, a flat spare, right? Yeah. My solution is like, I just have like a month, like some kind of reminder in my, uh, you know, my phone, just like, Hey, charge the jump box. Like Why can I month, jump the car with my phone? <laughs> well, I think maybe that would be the next thing. And so, so again, I think this is far from a good solution. And the only, um, person uh, it's actually a mutual friend of ours. I won't say his name, but I'll just the, the uh, example I heard of where it did work out that, that someone, a car had fixed it was a person we know ha- was working in a company that was funded by a very very wealthy uh, founder, right owner, whatever. And evidently that person drove. I don't know if it was a Rolls Royce or a Bentley. I don't think it's important to the story, but it was a very very expensive car. In you know you know one of those like you know several hundred thousand dollars cars. So somehow that car the battery died on it. Right. So they were trying to figure <laughs> out how to jump. I th- let's just call it a Bentley. And so they, I guess they got like getting, they got the hood up, which is not, I guess it's not that easy. Like it's more complicated than this car. Right. So they got the hood up, but then they got to the battery and the battery is like encased. It's like encased with like special tools. You can't just like, you know, well, they, like, they can't have peons touching it. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, in, in your car, in my car, right. It's like literally the battery's right there. It's a red, a black, you know, like whatever. It's just sitting right there. So anyway, they're, so they spent all this time trying to figure it out. So they finally get up the owner's manual to figure out how to uh, get the, this case off. So they get into the owner's manual and the owner's manual says like, if the car won't start, <laughs> press geez. this button, no, <laughs> press this button and switch to the auxiliary battery. Nice. And I was, and then the car started. So wow. Matt, the moral of the story is if you want to be in the Outback and you want to know that you have uh, a car, you know what you need to do? You need to drive a Bentley. This episode is brought to you by StrongDM. Are you managing a gazillion SSH database passwords and Kubernetes certs? How do you manage an audit at that scale? Meet StrongDM, the only way to simplify infrastructure access and audit controls across any environment, no matter how diverse. StrongDM extends any SSO to centrally manage access to databases, servers, and Kubernetes clusters, so onboarding and offboarding can be done in a single click. Escalate privileges with just-in-time access and automatically log every query and command. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting your workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com slash SDT. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, Matt, uh, first there were servers, and then there were serverless, but now I guess uh, serverless is officially dead because uh, AWS has announced uh, AWS Step Function supports over 200 AWS services to enable easier workflow automation. So 
did, did I miss, did I already miss the wave? Like is serverless officially it, over it and like, I didn't even then, use it. And, and no, well, no, I mean, uh, so step functions are, they're not new. I mean, they've, they've been around for a while. Um, and, and each vendor has their version of them, right? Uh, Microsoft has the Azure step functions or whatever they call them. They've been around for like 10 years. I think they started in like windows land, uh, over in some of their you know admin stuff, but the point is, um, step functions are they're they're like UI based workflows where you're like, hey, the output of this is going to go to that, and they've got pre built adapters for whatever you're passing. You know, they're like I'm going to be passing um, this blob of JSON, and when it gets to the other side, you know, that tool understands how to receive it from this other tool, and that's it's a lot of stuff pre baked. Right, wait, wait, back is, up just a little bit to make sure we're all on the same page. Like my understanding of it is that the idea is that this service itself is basically ready to receive certain information that yeah. you can process inside the service, meaning that yep. you don't have to write separate code and manage a Lambda or something else, right? That's that's the magic, right? right? Is that yeah, like they're yeah. saying like, don't worry about anything about the compute, just embed your logic in this service using this format and we'll take care of it. Am I that's summarizing correct. That, it correctly? That's correct. It's, okay. it's, you know, it's generally UI based where, you know, you go in and, and, you know, you draw your little tree, your arrows and boxes and, you know, the data goes from here to there. And the problem, you know, if you are uh, Amazon is like, well, you have to, you have to write a lot of adapters, right? You know, SQS has to be able to send to, you know, 500 different services or, you know, Kinesis needs to have, you know, targets into everything. And that's, that's probably what limits some of the usage, you know, is they're, they're kind of um, restrictive and what you can do, especially when you're Amazon and you have so many different services and, you know, they're, they're not generally very uh, CICD friendly. Um, you know, if, you know, if you need to do templating and that kind of stuff, but that's, that's a different tangent. What's, what's interesting is, you know, prior to this announcement, Amazon's solution was, well, if, if they don't fit, you drop a Lambda in here, right. And drop a Lambda in here means you're going to be writing some custom code that, you know, language of your choice, but it's going to take, you know, the event from one thing, parse it, translate it to get it to fit into its destination. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's an obstacle for people who are probably expecting to use a UI-based controller. Right. Um, and so what this announcement is saying is, hey, we've got an SDK for every ser- service we offer. Um, we enabled, we've kind of turned on the SDK in the, in the workflow thing where if there's a function, it's now exposed. So you don't have to write that lambda. You still have to write a little bit of, of glue. Um, but but basically now you can say, I'm using this method from the SDK and here are the parameters it was expecting and the output is now going to go there. And so you're not writing the function, you know, you're but you're providing the, you're telling Amazon, hey, I need you to use that function with these inputs and I want the output to go there. All right, so, now, as I understand it, what I am, what I am the user going to have to create is I'm going to have to write essentially a state machine using Amazon state language or ASL. Like, is that, 
and then I'm going to give... You probably won't have to write too much of it, right? They, they right. try to minimize your exposure to it. You can stick in the, the UI-based stuff and switch uh-huh. to the JSON when you need to write those, like, you know, I'm calling this method and it's out, you know. Right, so you, it does this, yep. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's, it's more user-friendly than before, but... Uh, well, I don't know, you know, what I thought was interesting as I was kind of diving into this to learn it. So they do have the... Uh, AWS sub function workflow studio. So I think that's what you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Like yeah. Boxes cool. and arrows, yep. right? Boxes and arrows. And uh, I mean, I don't, I haven't, I haven't done anything with it. So I can't, I mean, other than saying it has boxes and arrows, I can't tell you anything, but I, I did see in their example, they actually show you the, uh, the AWS, I guess the Amazon state language or the ASL, and <laughs> which is good. I mean, hey, listen, I'm not criticizing. I like the fact that in the example, they're giving you all the details. But I did look at this state language and I said, like, oh, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it would be better to just write a lambda. Like it does. Um, <laughs> but I always have this feeling. It's like when you see YAML or XML, you're always like, oh, I don't I think I actually like the compiler. The well, um, yeah, that, that, that scared me off, right? I was yeah. like, this is gonna be a lot of work, I think. This is gonna be a lot I, of work. I, I agree. I mean, the problem with the, the problem with UI-based languages, you know, where you're um <laughs> where you're you're going and, and and editing things is when you have to drop into it you're like how did i get here where was i i don't have the context of all of you know how I, this happened and you know once you've kind of switched into that you're like well as long as i'm here i'm going to want to do these other things right i'm going to you know i'm going to want to check this into source control i'm going to want to templatize it and then you're kind of like you know leaving that click-based UI workflow and going into a more programmatic one. And, you know, that, that's why like most power users don't hang out in the UI. Uh. <laughs> well, that's what made me think about the, I don't know, like, you know, when they, and again, I, maybe I'm making too much of it because they're like, Oh, I just got to implement a state machine. But it's like, Oh man, every time I've tried to do this, like in a, uh, in like one of these high level languages, it's just like, Oh, like, I don't, I find myself longing for like, oh, we should have written this in a proper programming language. Then we should have written all the unit tests. And then we, I don't know, it's just like hard to get right, I think. And then so, and I'm not saying that I know that you can test it. I know they have lots of ways to do it, but I just, my initial feeling was just like, wow, this is, this, you said this is going to be easier, but I, I feel like this is going to be harder. <laughs> well, well, it's kind of like, hey, you know, we, we took the guardrails off and threw you onto the Autobahn, right? Go fast. And you're like, but wait, I I just wanted to you know go down this country road and you know do my little state machines and I didn't know how to go to this one thing and they're like, check it out, there are twenty five hundred new options and you're like, ah, <laughs> so so yeah, I mean, the good thing is the power of everything in AWS is now available to you. Right. The bad thing right. is all of AWS is now available to you. Um, you know, and and but the problem is like if you if you want people to use this you. You know, you can't have too many restrictions. You need to open it up for the power users or else it becomes a toy that, you know, has limited usage. And so, you know, the the work is cut out now for, for those teams. They have to go and continue to make, you know, make it easier to use those SDK-based stuff. What they need to do, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure the product manager is like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to watch the usage patterns. And the things that get the most SDK calls will continue to wrap those in nice UIs. So the next you know person doesn't have to use the SDK calls. And we just keep making the user-friendly part user-friendly. And, you know, that's, you know, 
I mean, basically, they just they took the governor off. You know, the 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 you know the motorcycle with the yeah, training we wheels. Should... We should give the official numbers here because they basically said so um, they expand the number of supported AWS services from 17 to 200 and AWS API actions from 46 to over 9,000 with the new capabilities. Exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, Woo! your point is like, this is like <laughs> the full production roll, roll out. And then my guess is that it's widely used inside of AWS and Amazon. Um, they, they themselves, you know, all these various services that they're, the people building either the AWS services or using Amazon retail stuff well, they, they, really they, use this. They probably weren't using it when it was 17 things. Right. That's my point. Is like they probably right, people routed around it because yeah. they're like, oh, it doesn't do what I need. I don't want to do a Lambda function. You know what? I'm just going to start at a lower level uh, because, you know, everything's open to me and available. Yeah. And now they're like, hey, you don't have to do that. Yeah. So I think this is, I mean, it does kind of to me have that kind of... Uh, service now remedy kind of feeling it's like like right now i think if you wanted to uh you know just improve your marketability in uh, it like i think maybe taking some time to learn and become an expert in the uh, amazon state language and like learning how to do all this and like being because that then if you had all those skills you could walk in and be like oh yeah i can write this workflow for you like real quick and take advantage because i don't i don't know it just feels like for the average. I, I think i think if you could name all 200 amazon services you're pretty marketable <laughs> That should be a game. That should almost be. Um, that would be that guy Forrest. Forrest. He's no. He's at Google now. He's, he's at like, Google now, right? Yeah, because he had a whole song, right? So, yeah. yeah. If you could name, it would be interesting to see. Off the top, do you think Jassy could do it? He could go all. I think oh, yeah. Jassy could go all two hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could do it. That would actually be. That should be the final test for the new CEO at uh, <laughs> AWS reInvent. Is like now list all two hundred services. No, at no, the no, very no. end. The the chief marketing officer. They need to be able to name them. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com slash sdt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, uh, VMworld was uh, this week, so I think that's uh, that's what happened to Cote. And you know, at the end of a, tr a, tr a conference, what you got to do is take some cold medicine and go to bed. So uh, without him here, it's even better because uh, I don't think either <laughs> one of us actually attended all that many sessions. So it's even better to get the uninformed take. But one of the major announcements was uh, introducing VMware Tanzu Community Edition, 
which is a, you know, this is a short way of saying, here's a free version to go out there, start using. Uh, and I think it's designed just as you would expect to help promote adoption of using VMware Tanzu. So Matt, what is your take? What's your take on VMware Tanzu? Community edition. Uh, community edition. I like it. Um, it uh, claims to be all the same bits, uh, uncapped. You know, there are no usage restrictions. So um, if I want to run uh, Tanzu for free uh, in my in my enterprise and and uh, you know keep all my money. <laughs> mm-hmm. I now have a a vendor supported distribution of Kubernetes with a whole lot of extra stuff. You know, there, there's a lot going on in uh, Tanzu land. They've got uh, you know Prometheus and Grafana and um, you know all sorts of of other stuff. But uh, it's it's a very batteries included. Um, distribution, you know, uh, open source distribution of Kubernetes, which is, which is cool. Cause, um, you know, the competition's good. I think, was it two weeks ago? Uh, Amazon announced, uh, um, EKS everywhere or anywhere, everywhere. Uh, yeah. A couple of, yeah. 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 Mean, it's, and, it's been and, out for a while, but GA. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, if you want a vendor supported Kubernetes distribution that you don't have to pay for, um, you know, the, the free as in beer, uh, open source, as well as free as in code. Um, you have kind of three great choices. Uh, if you throw in, um, you know, uh, ranchers offering, you know, with K3S and, and, uh, uh, the ranchers or KE or, you know, whatever their, their full-blown, uh, Kubernetes distro is, you know, they're, they're basically, you know, full, fully supported, you know, vendor supported distros. Um, you know, they, I think that's pretty awesome, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like going back to, you know, the cloud adoption days, you know, Ubuntu made a lot of headway by saying, you know, here are bits, you can use them for free. And, you know, while, you know, Red Hat kind of uh, dithered and dathered and said, well, you know, you, you can't use it, but you can use CentOS, it's over there. Uh, We're not going to put it up on AWS for you. Um, I think, I think Kubernetes vendors have kind of learned from that lesson. You know, they're like, if you want adoption, you can't, you can't hide away your bits. Uh, you're going to have to put them out there so anyone can use them. And so can try it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's clearly, I mean, to me, I kind of read the announcement just simply as like, Hey, every VMware administrator or anyone that's even closely resembles that type of function, please download VMware Tanzu and start playing with it. Like that to me, seems that's a like, good thing though. I mean, I mean if, you no, know, yeah, I think if you're totally, VMware, I mean, you, you just kind of, you know, stuck a shiv and, and, and red hat trying to slip into your, you know, with trying to bring OpenShift into the, into the account, you're like, Hey, you know, you don't even have to pay us. we got this free thing over here. And yeah. by the way, all of our documentation is oriented towards you. Who's already running a VMware cluster. Yeah. You know, my broad, you know, take on this whole thing is that like, well, everybody that wanted to try out Kubernetes that sort of wasn't involved in VMware, has probably found something like whether it's rancher or open shit. So they've been playing or, or they're just roll their own, right? Whatever. Like they've been playing with something, but I definitely think there are, you know, tens of thousands of VMware admins who've just sort of been like, Hmm, I'll get to that when I have time. And I think this is that call to action. It's like, now it's time. Everyone download this. Cause they even <laughs> let you run it in vSphere and stuff. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. The documentation be... is like, you know, here's how you run it on vSphere. Here's how you run it on, on AWS. Here's how you run it on Azure. Yeah. You know, and if you wanted to run, you know, the VMware for AWS, here's how you do that. You know, they're very focused on their user base and they've got a massive user base. 
Yeah, no, totally. I think that that makes sense. And I'm sure this is, uh, you know, inside VMware, I have no inside knowledge, but I would just think I have my guess is there's like some kind of like protect the base campaign or service the top, our top hundred customers make up, you know, 80% of revenue. So I think the whole point is like, Hey, let's make sure every one of our uh, platinum customers is using this, is trying that, that we've got them the training that we've offered them, that they're at VMworld, that they're doing it because we want them to be hands-on keyboards and we want them to love this. So I think that's really what's going on. Well, and, and, and opening it up to the home lab, is is really important too because i mean a lot of um a lot of vmware admins you know they'll have a small cluster at home where they can tool around with stuff right and that's that's an interesting aspect that that vmware has always had going for them is is they kind of embrace that that culture you know i'm sure i'm sure every salesperson is told like you know look you put tanzu on the account you give it to them for free you know, whatever it takes to, to get, you know, it, in, it installed, you know, that's, that's a standard sales trick. You know, you need adoption of something, you stick it in and you offer it up for free. You know, I bet dollars to donuts that, you know, Red Hat did that with OpenShift <laughs> where, you know, every rel license gets a free OpenShift and, you know, whether or not they use it, it's hard to say, but, you know, they're licensed for it. And by opening it up to the home labs, you're like, Hey, you know, you maybe, you know, maybe you haven't adopted it yet and at, at work and your big, you know, nine to five enterprise job, but now you can just run it at home, the same bits and, and get that experience, get that, uh, you know, the, that hands-on time with it. Maybe you take it back to, you know, your, your day job at the bank or, you know, now when you're out interviewing, you can talk about running your home lab. <laughs> you're out interviewing. <laughs> well, I think it's true. I did. And I do think, um, you know, I do think the VM world, administrators, they come, I don't know, I think of them as like coming from the ops perspective. And I think you're right, like that group of people does typically have like the home lab where they're playing with stuff and they're like really trying to get killing off VMs, starting VMs, now it'll be containers. So it makes, it makes total sense. So, so it's a smart move. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure it will, you know, do well with that base. Now I am interested to see, it will be interesting to see if it leaks outside of the hardcore VMware base, right? Does this become the the place that everybody like if you're looking at this or rancher or openshift or something or AWS, else like, right or aws I mean, or any of the clouds yep yeah i mean uh, I, I, do people I think, pick this mm-hmm. yeah i it's it's really like where do you think you're going right if you think if you think that your enterprise is headed to aws you know uh eks everywhere anywhere um that's that's probably where you're going to go but you know or if you're like Hey, I just want to like I don't want too much vendor stuff. You know, maybe the the rancher angle is where to go. Or you're like, I don't have a ton of hardware, right? And then to <laughs> me, that's the, <laughs> that's where like when I look at some of the hardware requirements, I'm like, yeah, I don't have any of that. What I got is a handful of Raspberry Pis. You know, here comes K3s, and you know, so I've, I've been monkeying around with K3s in my home lab, and you know, that's. I, that's a different. How many Raspberry Pis are in your home lab? Like, how many Raspberry Pis are actually running in the Matt Ray uh, home lab down have, there? I have two zeros, uh, two threes, two fours, and uh, a Beagle, a Beaglebone Black, and a Rock Pro sixty four. So I guess that's eight total ARM devices. All right, you've got like a you got like a full on. Uh, you have like a, are they like rack mounted in some kind of like are they just like all on like a little a shelf the, somewhere? How do you the, got yeah, it going? The, the, the threes, the fours, and the the Rock Pro are in a little <laughs> five node cluster. 
Oh, so, nice, nice. Do you have it like? Do you have a fan running or anything? Or does no, it, no, like, no. A, I don't need okay. a fan, man. I, have nothing. I, I, All right. I'll post a photo. Well, during the winter, that was your heat. I'm sure, right? You're like, you're like, I wish I had Intel going in here. Yeah, no, no, no. Their arm devices, they're not hot. I know the same, but during the winter, you want to go Intel. You're like, I need, more yeah, oh yeah, I need, yeah. I need this thing. I need a heat sink flying off at yeah. me. I need a full. Yeah. I need to get right. myself some nice, inefficient Celerons and you know, warm this place up. All right. Well, I think so. VMware Community Edition or Tons of Community Edition. We like it. We're going to see what it does. I'm sure Cote would be telling you us all to use it now. Because we leave no stun uh, unturned here. Like, I just want to do a quick shout out to the VMware marketing team that wrote this post because I, I just going to say, I feel your pain, right? They clearly had to get a pull quote for this press release, right? And it's like, man, getting a quote from a customer. Let me tell you, Matt, not exactly easy. So they went with um, some uh, Scott, a senior analyst uh, from Alabama State University. So clearly they were like, we got to find somebody. And they gave, Al- I think we can be assured they gave Alabama State University a great deal to, you know, that's why they, <laughs> Hey, it's um, community edition. They're not paying. Fair enough. That's actually right. You're right. So they, but somewhere, somehow he got permission. Scott at Alabama state university got great. Now, Matt, uh, for a hundred, uh, bitcoins that I will never actually give you. Can you, uh, tell you where Alabama tell me, state is? can you tell me what the mascot of Alabama state university is? Cause oh. I, first I saw Alabama. I'm like, great. We're, this will be a chance to roll talk tide. about, you know, roll tide college football. And <laughs> I was like, no, it's Alabama state. I've never heard of it. So for a hundred bitcoins that I will definitely not give you, if you give it right. Can you tell me where, what their uh, mascot is? <sighs> I, I'm gonna play the odds and go with Wildcats. <laughs> that was a good, that was a good guess, but incorrect. It's the Hornets, and uh, and for those asking, Alabama State University is in Montgomery, Alabama. So I just want to say congratulations to them about like for being the pull quote. Being like the there you quote. are, you're, you're in the community edition. I've never, I don't know anything about Alabama State University, but I'm sure it's a fine university where hopefully everybody there is learning more about VMware. Matt, we're well known for our, our investing recommendations. I think yes. our record speaks for itself. So I won't uh, uh, go back and, and call about all the wins that we've had. But I will want to so say that wins. we have been talking about Zoom for a while. And I thought it was good to revisit. So first thing that we need to know, I guess Zoom uh, loses the the five nine acquisition they were going to do. Frankly, I don't think we had that much to say about it other than 5.9 is like they kind of did some, uh, what is it, uh, a call center type, uh, you know, software that seemed like it would be very profitable, but not really something we go through day to day. And I probably expressed my disappointment that they didn't take a look at uh, Box or Discord, because that's what I've been pushing for. Now, unfortunately for them, that acquisition is over. For some reasons, I don't really understand. I don't think they're that interesting, but you know, the government said it's not going to happen. So it's not going to happen. But I think the part that we can say is that over, uh, in October 2020, since then, Zoom has lost over 50% of its market share. So it is now, I think, down to something along the lines of $70 billion. So I know oh. back uh, at the height, at least at one of the heights of this craziness, we talked about that they needed to do something, right? They had to do something, and it seemed like they to decided do to do 5-9. But I, let's start with the, the more simple question. Like, was it really, was it impossible for them? Like, if if you're in a place where, like, you hit this massive run-up in stock, like, kind of like the AMC kind of thing. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Zoom is like that. And it's not a meme stock, but it's like, let's call it a pandemic stock, right? Yeah. Like, is it is it is it just impossible? You're like, I'm sitting on this mountain of, like, fake money that, I mean, I can't sell it. You can't just immediately sell all this money. 
only thing a company can typically do is either issue more stock, which I think maybe they did, but even that has limits. So it's like, you kind of have to buy stuff, right? That's kind of like, seems like the only thing you can do, but is it impossible? Like, could they have done it? Is it just like, Hey, it's, it's impossible for anyone. There's nothing, nothing anyone could have done. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if the, the five, then five nines acquisition, I don't know when that thing started, but mm-hmm. there sh- probably should have been several, uh, several acquisitions, you know, and, and something bold to, to, you know, make up for that valuation. I mean, sitting, sitting on all that, uh, money, um, they had to do something right. And you know, that when nothing kind of came of it, I guess, uh, people started turning on them. I, I know I turned on them. Uh, I, I sold out <laughs> of 310. Is really turning on them and just selling at a high? I didn't t- you were right, right. No, I mean, I, I took my 400% returns and smiled. Um, right. yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you have to find ways to spend that money or, you know, or you just kind of sit on it and and wonder what you're going to do with all that money. And, uh, and then, you know, you become a, an attractive target for acquisitions and, you know, uh, other, other people like, why do they, you know, what are they going to do with all that money? And, and, you know, they didn't, they didn't spend it. And now it's just kind of slowly letting the air out of uh, that, that bubble, I guess. But, uh, you know, Zoom's going to be fine. No, I think they're going to be fine. I think it is one of those things, though. I don't know when. I Missed mean, opportunities. Yes. I was going to say, that's the part that I think would keep you up at night if you were the CEO or on the executive team. It's like, you did have a moment, right? And I, you know, you know, we were not alone. I mean, everyone was saying like, hey, what are you going to do? Like, if your stock's this high, you should do something. And I don't know. I mean, I just assumed the five nine, but the five nine seemed, at least to us, at least to me, let me speak personally, it just seemed uninspired, right? But then I was like, I don't know. Maybe this is just like, hey, you're just like, grab something that throws off a lot of cash. That, that makes a ton of sense, right? But ultimately, I think, as I look forward to it, I, I, I don't think it's over. That's, Matt, that's my biggest thing. I don't want people to believe that they can't do anything. I want to believe in Zoombox. I want to believe they can still, they can <laughs> still, still do believe it. in Zoombox. It's not over. Dropbox and Box are still out there, right? Discord has not been purchased either, right? The hope that we could construct some type of new alternative to uh, the Salesforce conglomerate. And I like Slack. We love Slack. We're, we use it all the time, but we want more. We want like another option. So, so this is what I'm, this is my message to the, uh, the invest, or I guess it's, what is it? Not the investment banking team, but it's, it's really the corporate development team at Zoom is like, don't give up, get some of those slides up, right? Go ahead, make your pitch to Eric, the CEO there, Go in with go in with five deals, right? Just yeah. and you need some just oddball stuff. Have some Storm Bitcoin. Boom, yeah, boom, have boom. like a Bitcoin thing last. That's just totally nuts. Oh, and, the, and that, that ship that gets, has sailed. That, exactly. <laughs> that gets dismissed immediately. He's like, "What are you bringing this to me?" You're like, "You're right. That's a bad idea. What about Zoombox?" Right? No, that's, no, no. You start with the bad idea. You, you, start, you okay, like, start with the Bitcoin pitch. Yeah, you're like, then, I got okay. this. Night. And then they're like, "Oh, that's that's terrible." You're like, you're right. How about this more reasonable thing that actually makes business sense? Right. Okay. Well, it's not over. That's that's the, that's our message to the Zoom team. It's not over. It's not over. And, and then the other thing I wanted to mention real, real briefly was that, you know, kind of like Zoom went through this unexpected run. I think, you know, the Facebook outage, which has been covered everywhere. I don't think we have anything new to say, but it was interesting to see that Telegram announced that they added 70 new million users during the outage. I'm assuming that's the outage of WhatsApp is what was driving that, that uh, group. So it's kind of the same thing here. It's like 
you kind of never know when your growth moment is going to happen. Like there's no way the telegram people were like, Oh, you know what? We're going to add 70 million users. Like if you're running the growth campaign this month and you're just like, you know, you're just doing your stuff. You're like, we'll do some uh, podcast advertising and we'll, we'll run some syndication. <laughs> and some ads. And the next day you show up and 70 million people have started. You need to immediately get your bonus and resign your job, right? You're like, you have to leave. Like, you'll never have a moment. <laughs> that, like this that is the again. black swan event that, you know, major quarter. And uh, imagine the person, the product marketing person or the demand gen person next year at this time. When they're doing year over year comparison, oh no, oh no! Like, what are you gonna say? You're getting, you're getting <laughs> you're like, a five. Well, you're getting yeah. a five on your review. You're getting on a performance plan. I mean, you know it now. Like, you're done. Right, right. They're like, yep, not gonna hit right. those numbers again. I'm out. Well, this was this came up in the software defined talk Slack, and I don't know the answer. Is like, I don't really, I don't think, I think I maybe signed up for Telegram, but I don't really use it. I've of the ones in this kind of genre, I use Signal. I don't know why. I mean, I just I like the one. It's That's just the one that I think supposedly the, people, the, the most secure is that I was going to say, like, what is our definitive is signal better than telegram in some measurable way? Should we be recommending that? Or are they both equally secure? Uh, I think people generally trust signal more. I think that it has more of a, an open ethos to it. Um, of course, you know, I've seen, uh, I don't know if, if it's slanderous or whatever, but a lot of the <laughs> telegram development happens out of Russia. Um, oh, and so okay. people, so you know, people give that mm -hmm. the, the side eye, uh, the founder of WhatsApp is a big supporter of signal. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, he's like, what, you know, he, he cashed out of, uh, his WhatsApp stock and dumped a bunch on signal and said, you know, we need, um, something secure, uh, more secure. And I know it that would be like, funny. I, th I think we need to set up for the next time. And you were saying that you saw something that was saying that signal also added millions of users. Did you see? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they don't, uh, that I think they're, I think they're a nonprofit. And, right. So they, you know, they don't so, care so as much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they care, but you know, they, all they said was they have, they had millions of new signups. Um, well, I do think yeah. everyone needs to have like a designated everyone. We all need to have the designated backup. Of course, everyone knows I'm on Apple. So I didn't, I really didn't affect with the outage. You know, I'm a, I'm a message person, but for the people that I communicate that are not on Apple, I do usually use WhatsApp. So I think we all need to agree when WhatsApp's down, then we move over. Or like, if we could just all agree, like, Hey, I don't really, I mean, I don't have a problem with WhatsApp. I just don't really love the UI. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't give me that that nice uh, warm feeling, so I'm ready to move the signal right now. For all the people that won't get Apple phones, then I, you know, please let's all agree, signal is fine with me. Can we all move over collectively, please? <laughs> What's it, bro? All right, Matt. Um, well, we did get a little listener feedback this week. Let's see. So first, I want to let uh, everyone know I sent some stickers to Dan. Dan lives uh, approximately uh, two miles from me. I forgot to bring him to him at lunch. So he actually uh, texted me. So I actually sent him some stickers. Maybe maybe the shortest uh, distance stickers have ever traveled in the mail. But don't worry, we'll send them to you anywhere in the world. And all you have to do is send me your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. I'll send you to me in Australia, China, Japan, wherever. So please, please do that. Always enjoy Worldwide. hearing from everyone. Also want to let you know that we do have a couple jobs uh, posted in the Slack here. And we've got um, James wants you to work at Go Cardless in London. And uh, the jobs he's got posted here is an IT engineering manager, IT support manager, 
or business systems engineer. And I think all of those jobs are London. But listen, hey, if you go into the Slack and you uh, DM James, he'll, he'll tell you all about it. And uh, I, I will just say, I like this when a company just named the benefit. I didn't know what Go Cardless actually did before uh, I, I wrote this in the show notes, but I was just like, I'm in. Like, yeah, I want to go cardless. It doesn't matter what it is. Are you like a, a, a train company? Like, I'm going to get rid of the, the card that I have to use to check in to get on uh, the public transportation. I'm going to get rid of the card that I have to give for rewards. Like, there is no point that someone says to me, like, do you want to go cardless? Where I'm like, no, I want the card. So that's a great <laughs> message, even if I don't really know what it is. It sounds like there's some kind of bank or not a bank. There's some kind of financial institution. So I don't know. I don't know what cards they're getting rid of, but I'm on board. I'm always on board with getting rid of cards. Where do you come down, Matt? Pro card or pro cardless? <laughs> uh, I, I, I need fewer cards in my life, but I'm you're kind yeah. of a tinfoil hat guy, though. I feel like I am kind of a tinfoil like, hat guy. Yeah, I, yeah. I've got a lot going you want on. A, you want a paper yeah. vaccine card, right? You want that. No, no, no. No? No, because if I have a paper vaccine card, that means other people have a paper vaccine card. And that's the thing. It's like I, there's this tension between like, you know, I, I'm i willing to buy into like, you know, the, the, the cardless thing if everyone's using it. But I don't want I don't want there to be an outage for fraud. Mm, okay, so, so me, you're not an early adopter of cardless. You're you're kind of a uh, I don't know late majority. I'm still, I'm still carrying my debit card. I'm not using <laughs> Android Pay if that's where you are. I right, maybe yeah. I don't. I I would still carry the cards, but I would try to use the phone version. That's where I am. But I, I don't trust the phones. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I guess you know uh, reports here in Austin when they have a big music festival called ACL, everyone had to show a vaccine card, which is great. I think that's great. And if you didn't have it, you could even get the vaccine while you're there. Also great. Uh, but I guess from what I, I told, I was told that checking the paper vaccine cards, let's just say not the most secure thing in the world. It's not exactly. like they're not getting, if you will, a lot of uh, scrutiny as the cards are checked. So, so maybe maybe we need to work that out for the next pandemic. That's, well, that's what I'm see. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, we've got um, we've got some conferences coming up here. Looks yeah. like uh, the next one, KubeCon, right? October eleventh through the fifteenth. You're going? What virtually? What's the story? <laughs> virtually. <laughs> I've got. I've, I'm going to be. I'm going to be uh, working the uh, the Trigger Mesh booth um, five oh, days. Nice. Five days nice. next week. Yeah. Oh, is there so, like uh, some swag? Virtual or booth. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, everyone virtual needs to go booth. find that. I got a presentation. But... It's going to be awesome. Matt, maybe we should just jump in and stream in the virtual booth. That'll, that'll make it exciting. Um, well, also another one, uh, Jordy mentioned, he wants you to go to GitOps Days. It's the community special. It's on uh, October 20th. And then our friends at mongodb.local, hard for me to say. Looks like this is in London. That's on November 9th. And then uh, if it all goes well and Matt can travel, we're hoping... All of us will be at the that conference that comes to Texas January seventeenth through the twentieth. So uh, we shall see. We'll see how that works out. We'll see. Now, with all that said, Matt, what is your recommendation this week? <laughs> well, uh, I've got uh, a pair of recommendations. You know, I, I was kind of late to the streaming music scene. Um, I'm sitting on you know 150 gigabytes of my own MP3s. Uh, so yeah, I, but. The all family right. all got in on Spotify. Um, okay. Everyone was using it but me. And so we got the family plan and I finally started using it. And they do have a lot of esoteric stuff that now I don't have to buy. So uh, uh, my pick is um, uh, Lee Scratch Perry, uh, the the reggae dub guy, uh, had an anthology 
that I've been listening to a couple of times. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. It's uh, a live injection anthology, 1968 to 1979. I, you know, it's something that would have been hard to find. <laughs> so, or, you know, it would have been easy to buy digitally, but now I can just listen to it. So well, I think everyone, should, we should all just take a moment and memorialize this. So it's October, 2021, Matt broke down and is now a member of the streaming music community. <laughs> well, so, I, I've been using it. It's I've been using it a few months now, but, but there's still stuff it. they don't have. Yes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm you're still, like, still, I still got some stuff. They I'm don't still have. buying stuff on Bandcamp and other places, but it's greatly slowed. And, we need to put know. together a uh, we, someone should put together uh, not me because I'm like the least music knowledgeable person but like we need to put together like a software defined talk playlist. I know uh, I know Brian. Well, we, Brian we, we've got too. a uh, we've got a channel. Yeah. I know, but like, well, I don't know. We just maybe need to make it easier for people. I know Brian's he's always he's he knows all like the Twitch like he posts uh one you know a lot of links to like the uh, the live DJs on Twitch and stuff. I don't know maybe that's dying down now that the people can travel again, but. uh I don't know there's a lot of different there's a lot of people that know music so I don't know I want maybe I should say I want someone to create my, me a playlist right <laughs> but of course I'm in Apple Music because I live the defaults lifestyle so I'm in my own island I know they, they, uh, got, looking, all, they got a lot of the same stuff there's true. you know the Venn diagram is it's not that bad the problem is I'm I'm living on the outskirts of the you know my my other picks you know have been in and out of of uh, Spotify so. All right. Well, congratulations, Matt. Welcome to streaming. I, you know, I, on behalf of the internet, welcome to streaming. Yeah. And of um, course, my, my other pick is also in Spotify. It's uh, uh, the, the latest episode of my, my other podcast, Cloud Native AF. Uh, had a fun interview with uh, Mike Dvorkin from, from Cisco. Talked about the history of UCS and uh, using AI for cows. So, so check that out. <laughs> using AI for cows. All right. Well, good. Well, everybody should go right now. Just go search in the podcast player of choice, cloud native space AF. AF, you know, it's not what you think. At least flows. it's not what I thought. It's not what I always think, but <laughs> I love it. Application flows. So yeah, don't don't spell any bad words. You don't need to do that. You'll find it in your, uh, your, your, in your podcast player. All right. Well, those are good recommendations. Um, this week, I, I really, you know, I'm just all about finding tools that make my life easier. So this week, I'm going to recommend the... Uh, Bayco LBC 400 recessed light bulb changer. So that sounds like in a very official name. So what this is, is uh, I have a, a ceiling that's pretty high up. I had to change some bulbs and I was like, don't really have a ladder that that tall. So really what this is, is a uh, suction cup attachment that you uh, screw onto a very long rod. You essentially put it up there. If you will, suction cup your light bulb, unscrew it, bring it down. And then you put on the new bulb on the suction cup. But Matt, this is where the genius is. This is where the genius is. You screw it in and get it all secure. Then what they let you do is you tie a small string to the, to the side of the suction cup. Like they have a little hole for it. So when you get it secured, you just pull down on the suction cup. It releases the suction. And then boom, light bulb changed. Absolutely magic. Very simple. Great. Saved me so much time and effort. I was like, how am I going to get up there? Where's the ladder going to do that? So someone had figured this out. And some, and this is the detail, the detail of like, yeah, you're right. Like, how do I release the suction? Very, very simple. So it's the small things in life. If you have to change light bulbs that are really high up, I highly recommend this thing. I've used it exactly once and it was 100%. I, I feel like that was 100% ROI on that uh, attachment. So, <laughs> so check that out if you need to be changing light bulbs. I, I prefer the, uh, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, somebody posted a video of using drones to change light bulbs. Really? It's like, oh. yeah. 
Wow. That's yes, you should at. put that in there. That Which I'm like, sure is much more much more expensive than, you know, suction cup on a pole. Oh, it would be so much <laughs> harder too, right? It would be like, inc- I, but I, you know what? Just hearing it makes me kind of want to try it. I'm like, because I do have this, I have this other problem, like a chandelier kind of thing where it's like, I, I'm not, I don't know how I'm going to get up like high enough to like, you know, unscrew it. So I'm like, I'm stuck. I don't know. My suction pop cup solution won't work there. So I don't know that, that, that ball may be out for a long time until we sell the house. Right. So that, that's what it comes down to. All right. Well, listen, if you, uh, this is your first time listening to software defined talk, welcome, please subscribe, uh, to the podcast. If you want the show notes, all you have to do, do is go to software defined talk.com slash three There you'll see links to everything that we talked about, a bunch of stuff we didn't talk about and a chance to uh, join us on all the social medias. I think we have it all. I think we have everything. We have Twitch. We've got YouTube, Twitter. We even posted our first TikTok. Matt, we're on our way to massive success. So all of that is available at softwaredefinedtalk.com and for this episode slash 323. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. All right, Matt. Well, you know, the first thing, you know, there was a big Twitter, uh, Twitch outage. So I had to uh, talk to the uh, the tech team here at Software Defined Talk. We had to rotate passwords. Done. We had to reset keys. We, uh, we're hoping. I, I, this reset is the first keys? test. We have keys? Yeah, we had the streaming keys. So now we have to j- go check on Twitch if, uh, if we're actually streaming correctly. Because that was... Uh, I even uh, had I even opened a support ticket. When, when I, what I mean by that is I tweeted at the restream people. I was like, "Hey, is this right?" And they were like, "Yeah, that's right." So, so uh, let's go see. Like Are you actually streaming? Stopped. Well, is it not according working? to Twitch, it was up for nine seconds. It went down. It's already over that that fast. Yeah, it was fun while it lasted. All right, hold on. Let's see. Asking me to reload player now. It's let, me go, let me go to the stream okay, manager. It's back. We're back. Are we streaming? Is it look Wait, like it's working? Is this us? Is this today? Three million, three yeah. million dollars a year. Yep. We- Can't believe you guys make five. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's uh, us. Somebody, somebody saw the Twitch uh, payment leaks. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're right up there with, uh, with. Was oh, it, I wonder. Uh, do you think our stuff is actually in there? Like, do you think? I guess we've never really. Oh, made sure. Money. I mean, we're everyone's in the dump, but somebody put up a website that showed how much the highest paid streamers got. Unfortunately, we were not on the first page. Or we're not? So, like, do you, do you think no. we're like, how far down do you think you have to go? I wonder, like, how long <sighs> do you think there's a, did it exceed the number of rows that Excel? I, 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 think, I think we're well past integer overflow. <laughs>